Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Balance Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger, and happy 2021. I know this is not the first episode of 2021, but it is the first new one. As last week, we did a best of the show episode part two from 2020. And the week before that, we did best of the show 2020 part one. So definitely check those out with some of the most listened to and inspiring episodes from last year. And today we are kicking off 2021 with such a dear friend of mine, Sahara Rose. I'm so excited to have her back on the show. You probably know her as one of the world-leading Ayurveda experts. She's been on the show, I think, a couple years ago to talk about Ayurveda. She's a best-selling author. She has been called a leading voice for the millennial generation into the new paradigm shift by none other than Deepak Chopra. And she has the craziest story of how she manifested meeting Deepak Chopra. So I highly recommend listening to that first episode that we did together. Um, As we talk about in this episode, I met Sahara, I think it was like six years ago. We were both starting out as new bloggers before either of us had a podcast, before either of us had many people following our journeys. She's always been such a supporter and such a friend. I appreciate her so much, and I'm very excited to share her with you today. We're talking about her new book called Discover Your Dharma, and in it, there's an archetype system and a quiz. You can take the quiz on her website. You can also take it in the book, and then once you find out your your archetype, there's a dharma blueprint, which helps you unlock the code of what you're meant to do next in your life, in your relationships, your business, and every facet of who you are. It's really illuminating. It's so much fun. It helps you embrace your highest self. I can't even tell you, I'm serious, how much my life has changed after Sahara and I had this conversation last month because we figured out my archetype, which I kind of want to tell you now, but I also kind of want you to just hear it in the episode. She goes into the nine different archetypes here in this episode, and I think it will be pretty clear to you right off the bat, which one I am. And I'm excited to lean into that this year. I'm doing quite a few adventurous things coming up this year and things for myself in a way that I have not done in so long because I've been so focused on other things like healing and building my business for the last seven years. So I kind of stepped away from how creative I truly am and who I was born to be in this world, which is, of course, my dharma, my soul's path. And I will leave it to Sahara to let her explain the dharma and all those incredible details. But her book is out now. It came out last week. So head over to Amazon or wherever you order your books to get her book and support her. And you can also find it on her website. And we'll leave it here in the show notes. So I just feel so endlessly lucky to be surrounded by so many women who inspire me all the time, all the time. I look around at my life and I think of people like Sahara and so many of our mutual friends. And I just think this is so cool to watch people who I have basically seen grow up before my eyes over the last seven or eight years, along with myself growing up, growing into who I came here to be. And just being inspired by different people's channelings and downloads. And also, Sahara has a very, very wonderful gift of being able to channel for others. So she channels for me in this episode. 
She's very spot on, very spot on with quite a few things. So this episode was illuminating for me in so many different ways. I'm excited to get into it. Before we do, a couple things. One, I want to remind you that if you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, I'm sending out a free yoga ebook to anyone who takes the time to rate and review. I know it takes a few minutes sometimes to do that on iTunes, but it helps so much with the show's visibility and the kind reviews mean more than you guys would ever know. So send me a screenshot to jordanatthebalancemon.com if you take the time to do that, and I will thank you personally and send you my free yoga ebook as a thank you. And also, before we dive into the episode, I want to thank our sponsor for today's show, Sakara Life. It is such a dream to work with Sakara Life because I've been using their products and eating their food since I lived in New York in 2013 and met the founders, Whitney and Danielle, way back in the day at a raw vegan restaurant that we all loved. They were actually present when I announced that I was no longer going to be called the Blonde Vegan and transition to the Balanced Blonde. So they are very important to me. So a couple things about Sakara. First of all, you should know they are a plant-based meal delivery service and they also have products on their website. Everything is organic, ready to eat, and made with powerful plant-rich ingredients that are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. I know there's a lot of people who are setting intentions to try out being more plant-based this year, which makes me so excited for so many different reasons. And I love that Sakara is a wellness company rooted in the transformative power of plant-based food. Along with delicious plant-rich meals, they also offer daily wellness essentials for optimal nutrition. Sakara's supplement packs called The Foundation and their Metabolism Super Powder, which is my favorite, deliver support for gut health, energy, immunity, and healthy skin. Sakara has received rave reviews from Vogue, Goop, The New York Times, and more. So right now, they're offering our community 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash blonde20 or enter the code blonde20 at checkout. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash blonde20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash blonde20 and tag me on Instagram when you try. I know you guys will fall in love. Now let's head into this episode with the beautiful Sahara Rose. I'm so curious to just hear what's it like in Miami? You recently moved. I'm so inspired and I want to hear everything. You know, I feel like this year, a decision that could have taken you five or 10 years happened in this year. Don't you feel that? Like things that would have taken forever. Like it's just, it's just on. And that could look like moving. That could look like breakups, career shifts, so many different things. So I've always loved Miami. Like I've loved just to swim. I'm a mermaid. Just swim in those turquoise warm water. Such a mermaid. Just to be able to like go downstairs and like swim in an ocean. In LA, there's beach, but as we know, it's like you don't swim in there. It's so cold and the waves are really big. And I just really deeply wanted that. I love how multicultural it is here. And I always like feel like I was like a Latina in a in a past life. I just like really resonate with like Latin culture and reggaeton and like all of I that. See that. So. Yeah. So I was, so, you know, it actually really came from an obstacle. So my husband works in the music industry. He manages EDM producers, DJs, and 
it's it's touring industry. That's what they do. They perform at Coachella, Ultra, all over, all festivals around the world. And when COVID happened, you know, one of his clients named uh, Slander was going to be headlining Coachella, and it's it was really sad, but. Coachella was canceled and they're kind of waiting. When are the festivals going to come back? When are they going to come back? And now it's looking like that's the last thing on the list that's going to come back. Like it is a quote unquote non-essential though. I do believe every business is essential to someone and music does help a lot of people. Um, So we were kind of waiting, like, are these festivals going to start again or not? I've always been working online and it really hit the music industry hard because all of these jobs are related to not only the festivals, but think of all the people who are the photographers or they work at the place or this or that. So then soon they shut down his office and he had 15 employees and they all had to be laid off. And that's a super hard time for anyone. You know, he built this business from the ground up and there is an opportunity there of, well, we don't need to be in LA anymore and nothing is keeping us here. So let's take this opportunity and live somewhere that we really want to live, not just for the sake of it. Because I kind of just ended up in LA. It was never my dream. So we were thinking, okay, I want to live in Bali. I want to live in Hawaii. Like I want to live like, you know, in the jungle and the waterfalls. And like, that's what I want. But he wanted to still be more in the city's music industry same still kind of time zones, not like Bali, which is like 16 hours ahead. Yeah. A different day of the week, literally. Exactly. Exactly. So we both kept coming to Miami and, you know, it was like excitement, fear, excitement, fear. And my fear came towards leaving the community in LA. Like there's so many epic conscious people and it took me years to find you guys. I I was like, I can't leave. I was like, dude, no one's going to do these like weird rituals with me in Miami. Like I'm going to be totally on my own. But every time I just thought about the up leveling that it would still bring me, I decided to go. Like we're literally getting double the size of our place with the same rent. So yeah, that's I have my so own office cool. now, which is just like would not have happened in LA. Right. So it honestly feels really energetically clear here. Like I love everyone that. is just so much more chill. Like I feel like in LA, I was really going down the rabbit hole a lot. I was going into you know, because the, it was a lockdown. It wasn't a lockdown. It was a lockdown. It wasn't a lockdown. It was like every conversation was about that. And all of my time was going into that. Whereas now that I'm here because there isn't a lockdown, I'm just like focused on my dharma and it's giving me so much more energy to put into how I can really save the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head with so many things. There's no wonder why I feel like I've been with you in your energy even though I have not seen you in like a year, which is crazy. But I'm so on the same wavelength in every single way, besides the fact that I have not moved. But that doesn't mean that I don't think about it constantly and everything that you Where would you move? Where are you thinking? Well, okay. So I have so many places in mind. When you moved to Miami, that was a place that had been on my mind. But I'm also such a California person. I was born and raised here. It's just the It's just the city that is making me feel super uneasy, super matrixy, which you know what I mean by that. So I see myself on the beach, whether that be Santa Barbara, Malibu, Carmel, um, these slower paces of life. Malibu is still very much LA, but it's its own community too. 
And just like you, I thrive off of people, my people, when I feel seen and understood. And it has taken a good decade to come across a lot of those people. So, But also my friends live all over the world. And I'm sure you have that experience too. So to learn to become less attached, I was so attached. Six months, a year ago, I was like, if somebody talked about me leaving LA, my body would go into physical panic, even though I wanted it. I'm like, no, 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 no. My whole identity, my whole family, all this stuff. I've actually let go of a lot of that. And that's been part of my release. So people such as yourself who have taken that leap just inspire me so much because you're still, you know, going to see all your people and you're just going to also build a bigger community. And your body just has to be in a place where it thrives ultimately. Mm -hmm. And same with your husband. like how much our environment really does affect us and every place has its own frequency. So I was thinking, what's going to be the frequency of Miami? Like, is it going to be a party place? Is it going to be like retired in Florida vibes? Like what is the energy going to be here? But what I realized, Jordan, is it's Atlantis. It is very, very Atlantean here, which is interesting because I've had past lives in Atlantis, but I'm a Lemurian. Like that is who I am. So is Atlantis here. So I came and I moved here and I'm like innovating and like coming up with ideas and like structure and like, like building so much and super not retire in Florida vibes. Like how can I create things that will like last and like really change the world? And I, then I was swimming in the ocean. I was like, oh, because this water has the memory of Atlantis. And for those of you who don't totally know what Atlantis is, it was the ancient civilization that was all about science and spirit merging together. So Lemuria was the, the civilization that came before that. Lemuria was in current day Hawaii, Polynesian islands, even parts of um, Australia, New Zealand. And it was very focused on the heart. It was very feminine. It was very about the body, nature, the tribes, the community, communing with with the plants, the spirits. It was very collective. And I very much resonate with that energy as like a dancer and just a ceremonialist. I love that so much. And that's why I wanted to move to Hawaii that has, that's like, especially Kauai, the Nepali coast is like, that is what Lemuria used to look like. But then I realized it literally was blocked for me in terms of, I couldn't go because of the quarantine. Right. Because this stage of my life needs to be more Atlantean of me, like sharing my message out there, helping people, raising them up. And if I just went into full Lemurian right now, I'd be like, peace out, y'all. Oh so yeah, I need to do a retreat in Atlantis. Spirit. I get that so much. You know, what's interesting. I just did an astro geography session today with, with Dara, who's incredible, Dara Dubonet. And she showed me, I have so many lines running through Hawaii, all of Hawaii. She said, if you go there, like you will be seen, you will have fame, you will have love, you will have family, you will create. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Book your flight. <laughs> I know. Well, literally, like I, I was like, I need to book a flight today if we were not in this weird 2020. Yeah. Um, I want to be there. I've always been drawn to Hawaii. And I have those same thoughts as you do. It's um, it's removed, but also if those are my particular lines there, we've all got things all over the world. I have such a belief that you probably have all those lines running through Miami because you wouldn't have picked it if you didn't have something that... I actually don't. <laughs> you don't? I looked you at look. my astro okay, okay. 
And I did. I was like, what is Miami? And it was just like kind of like in between. I was like, mm, okay. But Neutral. a lot of mine are in like Bali, et cetera. So I feel like I'm more picking up on the frequency of here. But there's yeah. also, there are some places that are like your lines are running through there. People are like, what's astrocartography? It's it's based off of your astrology, but what what geographical locations on the earth have a particular particular frequency and they kind of relate the frequency to the planet. So places that you have a lot of lines, you know, could be a lot of activity, but it also could be um, overwhelming in that way. It could like really shake things up in some sort For of- For sure. And then the places that are in between lines, it doesn't mean like your life is just going to be a standstill, but it's like in between maybe two different types of energy. So- I did not base my move off of astrocartography. Some people probably do do that. But I like to also look at what's the frequency? What are the elements? Here's another thing about Miami. It's wet and electric. Wet Ooh. because of the water, the thunderstorms, the rain. It's so wet. When I first got here, I was like, oh my, there's so much water because LA is so dry. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a drought. And here it's a flood. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so wet and electric because of all of the lightning. So it gives you that... Um, like an electric type of energy to it of like, I'm, I'm here, I'm here to create, I'm here to get it done. And then the wet is a little bit more like splishy, splashy, playful. Whereas in LA, it's very neutral. Like the weather, you don't feel the weather because it's like, it's just like very neutral. There's no wind here. You feel the, the weather is so active in Mm -hmm. LA. It's perfect for filming because it's very like neutral. It's dry. It is, I mean, originally LA was not even a place that people were um, inhabiting. It's, it's like all of the palm trees and stuff came later on. So again, different bodies, different doshas. Like I'm more vata, exactly. so I need more humidity. So it's it definitely does play a huge role in how you show up in your dharma where you are. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Speaking of that, you have a new book coming out. I'm so excited. I took the quiz. You know, I took the quiz. I am a visionary. I want to hear everything. Tell us all the things about the archetypes and your beautiful new work. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was such a journey of finding my Dharma. I think, a, and the word Dharma, what it means for people who don't know, it's your soul's purpose. It's the big reason why you are here. And every single person has one. And your soul purpose is not a career or a job or one specific role, but really it's the energy you bring to everything you do. It's you at your fullest expression. It's your it's your utmost frequency. It's like that energy that only you can give to the world. And there are so many different ways that it can manifest. So you may be podcasting, writing books, you know, working with your plants. There's so many different things that you can do, but your energy, your frequency, what you are bringing to it is your dharma. So for my own personal journey of finding my dharma, it really... I'm someone that has learned through my own obstacles and my own lessons. And I know that has been the case for you. And as a child, I was such a humanitarian. I really deeply cared about all of the issues happening in the world. My mom was a refugee. My dad was an immigrant. My uncles were political prisoners. My My grandma was in a child marriage. So I saw early on in life, like the dark, dark shadows of the world and also coming from that, being a result from that. So I had this like deep 
sense of responsibility of like, I need to single-handedly save the world. And if I don't do it, no one else will. And it gave me a lot of passion, which brought me to, you know, I was the president of my Amnesty International. I arranged tons of protests and I went to school in DC to do international development. And it was coming from a place of trauma. It was coming from a place of over-responsibility and sacrifice. I always thought if I'm the person who sacrifices the most, then that's how I can help people. And I would look at who's helping the most people. Mother Teresa, okay, you got to become a nun. Gandhi, okay, you got to do a hunger fast. You have to do something really extreme that's sacrificial and that's how you can help others. And when I was in college and I was working with these different NGOs, I, I could see so deeply it was not in alignment with my gifts. I'm very creative. I want to express. I'm an artist. And all I was doing was sitting in front of a computer, creating a spreadsheet to raise money for the next fundraiser. And I knew intuitively I needed to do something that shares my gifts, but I didn't know what it looks like. And that's when my health problems began. And I, we talked about this before, but my body began to shut down. I went into perimenopause when I was 21 years old. And from that place of doctors telling me I would never be able to have a child, I was prescribed all these different prescription medications. I rediscovered Ayurveda. So I wanted to share Ayurveda because it helped me. And that led me to blogging and then writing my books on Ayurveda and, you know, sharing it. Now, the question I would always get was, well, like, how are you doing that? Like how, like, how are you, I'm sure you get it too. It's like, how are you just like sharing your story and this ancient health system and spirituality? Like, like, how is that possible? And I realized the story under the story was, all of the obstacles that I had to experience that were training me to embody my purpose. Exactly. So just because you are born with a purpose does not mean you're necessarily going to embody it in this lifetime. We have a choice. We have free will. Are you going to learn from it? Are you going to see it as my soul's unique curriculum in this earth school that are giving me the training, the experience, the strength, the courage, the know-how that I need to be an embodiment of this dharma? Or am I going to look at it from a victim lens and never step into the truth of who I am? And that's what prompted me to write Discover Your Dharma. Oh my God. So many mic drop moments there. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, not only do you have a lot of pain in your lineage and DNA, which I have dove so deep into with healing from my physical illness, it always comes from somewhere. But it's also our gift. It's our blueprint, like you just said, that sets us up for being able to really handle our dharma in this life. And I believe we come into this life, our souls on a deep level, they know that we're here to do something big. They're pretty connected with what it is. So you knew you were here to help people. You were not here to add to pain. You were here to heal and spread light and do good. And you kind of took that and did it before you knew the best way for you to do it. I so relate. So this book is so timely, so good for all of us right now and at every stage of life. So tell us more. Like, How did you come up with all these amazing archetypes? Yeah. So for me, archetypal work has been so instrumental in my own path. And archetypes are really like personality types. So astrology, these are archetypes, human design, um, 
the Jungian archetypes, the goddesses, these are all different archetypes. And what it really helped me was to see myself in, in someone else and something that was greater than me. Because often when we're looking for our purpose, we don't even know what we're good at. Like oftentimes we're like, I don't even know what my gifts and strengths are. I don't even think I have any, so I must not have a purpose. So for me, archetypes were a really good way to understand, oh, I have these same qualities that I can see in this person. And and I can see that I can set myself up not to do the exact same thing, but to use my gifts in the same way. So when I was writing Discover Your Dharma, I came up with these nine Dharma archetypes, and these are directly related to our Dharma. So I have a quiz, the dharmaarchetypequiz.com, and you can take an, a deeper assessment in the book, but let's, t- let's dive into all of them, but we'll start with kind of your first one, which is mine as well, which is I the visionary. I love that we're the same one. Yes. But That's of course we are, because awesome. this is what we, we do. Like we, and it's what's beautiful. So I'll explain the visionary and kind of like, how what we do is also so different and how the archetypes don't True. mean it's like, that's just, you're, we're all going to have the same job here. It's like, no, we're all needed differently. So the visionary yeah. is here to be a channel. They are here to be a voice. Their, their medium, their form of expression is their communication. And for a visionary, it's not so much what they say, but it's the energy of how they say it that is offering you a transmission. So the visionary is here to be a vessel. It is here to be a reminder of what is possible. They are big picture. They're future oriented. They see the way the world can be heading and they will be the ones who can hold that sail and say, let's continue that way, even though other people might not even believe that it exists. So so cool. That definitely speaks to me. Exactly. So the visionary is here to inspire, speak on a really large level. And there are shadows to each of these archetypes. So the shadow of the visionary is oftentimes they want to help other people so much that that advice may not have been solicited. So they might be, you know, meeting someone and like, let me change your life and do this and do that. And And that person, their karma actually may not have been ready for it yet. In fact, you could actually be really interfering with their life by trying to do so. The visionary can also come off as breachy of like, oh, stop trying to tell us what to do. And, you know, and it's really important for a visionary to know when is their advice, you know, received and when are they just speaking to someone who isn't ready for it. So to really have that, that like jurisdiction, like in human design, I'm a projector, you're a reflector and like it's pretty interesting. But in both of the signs, it really is important of waiting for the invitation. I was just thinking that it's so trajectory to wait for the invitation and reflector. Because if you share information that that someone doesn't want to hear, isn't ready to hear, not only does it not benefit them, it depletes you. I mean, Mm -hmm. as these non-energy beings and human design that we technically are, it's so depleting to share and be like, no, I really, I love you. So I want to help you. Yeah. It's not always, people are not always ready for it. And that's a really, really good point. Exactly. And it can really interfere with the other person's journey as well, because some people needed to learn the lesson for themselves right. and telling them what to do is not giving them that experience. So the visionary has got to channel their vision and find the people who want to hear it. They don't need to be for every yeah. single person. Well, isn't the that warrior cool? wants to do that more. We'll dive into oh, that. Oh, cool. The warrior. Yeah. Isn't that cool that we then have these podcasts and blogs and communities where people can literally choose to follow, choose to listen, or choose not to? That seems like a very good place to channel the information and the energy. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. So that's why, you know, we both are using the same similar type of mediums, writing books, podcasting, social media, but the way our, first of all, our bodies, our lifetimes, our past lives, our ancestry is so different. So even though we're both here to be visionaries, the way we're going to do so is so unique according to our soul's curriculum. So it's not about, oh, she's a visionary, so I can't do it, or I got to do it exactly like she's doing it. It's honoring the visionary that exists in each person. Now, some people might say, well, I'm not a visionary, but I kind of want to be more of one. If that desire is in you, it's a part of you. It just may not have come totally online. So if you're seeing someone, you know, we both have been blogging for a very long time and I'm sure you get the messages from people like, hey, you used to really trigger me, but <laughs> then I oh, realized constantly. you were yeah. yeah, I used to think you were so annoying and I would turn your podcast off and now I'm on this journey and I get it. I mean, I, fo- I followed people like that too. Yeah. And when you're ready, you're ready. Exactly. And not every voice is going to be for everyone, but it's it's beautiful because the visionary really is a mirror for the collective. They really are here to, t- to take the personality out of it and be like, I'm just showing up for you, whatever it is that you need to see for yourself. And it's very important for the visionaries to not take it personally. I know for myself, that has been a huge thing because we put ourselves out there so much. You open yourself up to all types of reviews and comments and messages that it can be hard because your heart as a visionary really is in the right place. Like you really want to just do this for the betterment of the collective. And sometimes it's not, we're even willing to forego what we need if it's best for humanity. Like that is really what, what makes the visionary come alive. So it can feel really hurtful when people just don't understand that or think your intentions are otherwise, but just to know to take the personality out of it and just stand into that visionary role. That is life-changing yeah. to step into that over the last few years. And, and I'm still stepping into it every day to shed those layers of sensitivity and just know what someone sees in you is such a direct reflection of how they feel about themselves. Mm-hmm. But I still have to bite my tongue at times to not respond to hate by saying, oh my gosh, you're talking about yourself. But I don't because I choose not to respond. It's best for me. It's best for everybody. Um, but that's so interesting. And, and that's so, so, so true. Mm-hmm. So the second one, which I think we both definitely have as well, is the teacher. Now, the teacher is someone who goes through life learning a lesson, teaching a lesson, learning a lesson, teaching a lesson. So they're the type of people that like maybe in school when they're studying for something, they like pretend they're teaching it to someone else that actually helps them understand the information more. So the universe will actually give them the exact experiences they're meant to teach on. So for you, it is your entire health journey. It is the battling of, I don't want to even give it a title. It's the battling of of (laughs) the thing. And the universe put you into that path so you can firsthand go through the experience and teach upon it. And when your experience was different at a different phase of your life, the points you were teaching upon were different. And in five years, they will be different as well. So that's what the teacher is like. Learn it, transmute it by teaching it. Now, the beauty of the teacher, they're really here, their dharma is to impart knowledge. So Again, we've always had teachers in society. The word guru means the person who illuminates the path. That's exactly what a teacher is. Now, a teacher doesn't necessarily have to be inspirational either. A teacher can be teaching algebra, history, gardening, whatever else it is, but they come alive when they're in front of a camera or classroom. Now, the shadow side of the teacher 
is that they can come across as disconnected from the people they're teaching to. So you know that like history teacher who's ramble, 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 and no one's paying attention, but he cares about this. So he's just going to keep talking about it. So it's really important for teachers to also be connected to their student. And what does the student need? What are they resonating with it? How can this be more of a dialogue than a monologue? Because teachers can really quickly step into that monologue road. Do you feel like... That's so true. Oh, I definitely feel like a teacher for sure, which is something I've definitely grown into and gives me so much appreciation for all the good teachers that I've had in school and spiritual teachers. And the next phase of your path is to step more into your teacher. Yes, you know, that's like a huge goal of mine. So when I I took your quiz, my secondary um, archetype, because it tells you, right, your first mm-hmm. and your first second. and second, yeah. My second was the nurturer. And that was interesting because I'm, um, you know, coming out of being sick, I've always been nurtured. So I thought, oh, wow, okay, maybe this is like the next phase for me to also be a nurturer. Mm. So the nurturer is their dharma is here to care and connect. They want to dive deep with people, they want to be one on one, they want to listen. So the teacher will tell. The, the nurturer will listen. They're more of the coach. Hmm. Let me draw the wisdom out of you rather than telling you what it is. So they are healers. They are therapists. They are social workers, nurses. Anything that they can be very deeply connected to the people that they are that they are helping. So the beauty of the nurturer is they're able to go really deep with people. So Oprah is an example of a nurturer. Hmm. And you know, even though she's extremely famous, when she's on that massive stage, she's sitting on a chair next to the person and having a deep dive conversation. So true. That is what she's doing because she's a nurturer. We don't want her to come on stage like Tony Robbins and be like, come on, everyone. Like he, again, warrior. But Deepak Chopra, researcher, Eckhart Tolle, we could see them in all this of these so different fun. Yeah. And their gifts. But with the nurturer, they want to like go past the surface. They want to like, they're the friend that like, when you really want to just like vent and be listened to, you're going to call your nurturer friend. You can like psychically pick up on it. So I would say as you've been in this journey of receiving so much nurture and receiving so much care, this is also giving you firsthand experience of what resonated with me? What didn't? What did I not like that people were telling me when they were nurturing me that they might thought was comforting me, but was actually making me feel more disempowered. You know, what modalities, I know you're trying so many different healing modalities, really helped me heal on a soul level. And, you know, I don't think you're going to necessarily go into potentially like a one-on-one situation, but that nurturer is still going to be in anything it is that you do. Yeah. I mean, I feel that so much. Your mom is the nurturer. Oh yeah. My mom is the (laughs) ultimate. And that's why I'm like, I can't be the nurturer. I have a nurturer and she is that. But I relate to so much of what you're saying. I definitely feel like at least I try to embody and be that friend that people could call for anything at any time of day. And I think I am. And I, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, been important to me since day one of my life. So that's always been a through line. And then, although I am stepping into being more of a teacher, which is something that I so see in you and just admire and love, and you know that, I also see my approach, you know, as more of um, what you're saying with the nurturer. I watch people like Oprah and I'm like, she has such a gift to be so famous and to make people feel so seen 
mean, mm-hmm. to truly see them is a gift. Mm, exactly. Yeah, because I yes. love it. So it 100% is part of your dharma. The fact that you find it inspiring means there's something within you that knows I could step into that type of role. So I any, I always say your dreams are dreaming you back. The reason yeah. that they're your dream are because they're part of your dharma. So the shadow side of the nurturer now is they might have a hard time setting boundaries. So they are the type of people who just, they want to help everyone. They want to say, yes, they want, they're needed here. They're needed there. I'll go do it. So they may have a really tough time saying no and a really tough time with self-care. So oftentimes they will burn themselves out trying to be everything for everyone and not be able to nurture themselves. Oh yeah. Sounds exactly like why I got sick in the first place. One of many reasons Mm. That, that, yeah, that's so true. And sometimes archetypes might show up in our lives at different times. Like when you become a mother, which I know is something that you want to do, that nurture archetype is really going to come online for you because you're literally creating life for another being. So the way that you see the world and the aspects of your dharma are going to come through that more nurturer lens. And then maybe when your kids grow up, it's another archetype comes on more. So we do step into different archetypes at certain roles of our lives, but we tend to have our primary two that really, you know, draw our entire lives with us. So like, no matter what, we will be visionaries through whatever else that we do, but maybe you'll be visionary nurturer or visionary teacher or visionary entrepreneur or something else. And it will still be your dharma. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. So the next one is the entrepreneur which we both definitely have. Um, The entrepreneur is here to bring about solutions. They see a problem and they're like, what is the solution to this? So the visionary, let's say we want to help the environment. The visionary will be like, we are all connected to earth and earth is our sister and our mother and our daughter and we are Gaia and like give this really inspirational talk. Whereas the entrepreneur will be like, okay, let's reduce plastic consumption by 200% by shifting to these bamboo straws, which we will implement by 2030. And this is the business that we will create to step-by-step by each year, eradicate straw consumption by 10%. Like that is how they would show up to fix it. Oh, I know people like that. Yes. So it's a bit more of a masculine approach to it, more of that pitta, that fire energy. And they are here to create impact and profit. So a lot of people think profit, if you want money, that's a bad thing, but that actually really motivates the entrepreneur because what they really want to do is is global impact. And they know the only way they can have this impact is to make sure that it's profitable. They don't want to create a quick fix. They want to create something that's sustainable that really matters to them. They want something that can grow past them. And the solution isn't always necessarily like a global a global issue. Like Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, is an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. The issue was women don't feel comfortable in their dresses. So I'm going to create these Spanx companies. And then she became you know, one of the world's youngest billionaires. So, so cool. if Sarah Blakely is a huge inspirational person for you, then you probably have some of that entrepreneurial archetype. Oh, yes. I have friends who just idolize her. Okay, just a brief interruption from this conversation with Sahara to tell you about my favorite plant-based bar that I think you guys know is the only plant-based bar that I eat. It is Go Macro. 
I'm so obsessed with Go Macro. They're certified organic, vegan, and gluten-free. They have 15 mouth-watering flavors, which is incredible. And if you have a food allergy or dietary restriction, they offer three delicious nut-free flavors, including oatmeal chocolate chip, which is my actual number one favorite and has been for a long time, maple sea salt and sunflower butter and chocolate, which actually tastes like a cookie. And they also have flavors that are certified FODMAP friendly. So no matter what way you're eating for your body and your diet, these will definitely fit into your life. Go Macro Bars are made from simple, high-quality ingredients that are certified organic, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, non-GMO, clean, raw, and soy-free. They're a mother-daughter-owned business, and they're based in a small rural community, which I love to support for so many reasons. And their mission overlaps very much with the Balance Wand mission, which is to spread awareness for a balanced plant-based lifestyle. They're dedicated to their farmers, sustainable sourcing, and making a positive impact on the planet. I love them so much. You can get your hands on some of Go Macro's delicious macro bars by going to gomacro.com and using the promo code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $50. So head over to gomacro.com. Use that code BLONDE, tag me on Instagram when you try, and I cannot wait to hear your thoughts. Now back into this episode with Sahara. So interesting now that I'm like, my brain is thinking about all of this as you're talking. It's very cool because you can pinpoint the people in your life and what they might be. Totally. It's so cool. And you can see like, oh, this phase of like, for example, when I was learning how to come up with an online business, I so wanted to write Ayurveda books and share this, but I was like, how am I going to make money doing so? So I became obsessed with learning everything about entrepreneurship and business because I needed it. But my dream is not to have a big business. I actually hate being a CEO and I hate everything. But I am so glad that I was able to exercise my entrepreneurship and I was even having fun with it. So I could get to a place of knowing that it's to support my visionary, but the goal is not the, the business. It's not the... How helpful. How helpful is that? For people like us who are building these careers pretty much from scratch, nobody has really... There's no one to really look to who's been doing this for a long time. It was so clear to me. I never wanted to be a CEO. I never wanted to have a bunch of employees, but I see a bunch of other people doing it. And then I'm like, should I do that? Should I do that? It's helpful to know what serves you and what your greater purpose is, what your greater Mm -hmm. dharma is. Exactly. Because entrepreneurs really feel alive when they're part of a team. They're part of a shared mission. They really need that. They need the systems. They need to feel like, where is this going? We need goals. Now, the shadow of the entrepreneur is work-life balance doesn't exist because their work is such an extension of who they are. Like They're the type of people who will like you know, be in conversation and be like, oh shit, I had an idea about something and like leave to be on their phone and that's just what they're so motivated about, but it can turn into taking away from them, you know, living other areas of their lives. Another shadow is they feel like they're alone because no one cares as much as they do. So they feel like it's always my responsibility. I'm the one that has to do everything because oftentimes when you're an entrepreneur, you do care the most of anyone else around you and your team. So it's important for them to also find other entrepreneurs, feel like they're less alone and cultivate the other archetypes so they're not just working from a, my productivity is tied to my worth place. Right. Makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. So the next one is the researcher. Now, the researcher is here to deeply understand. They have a childlike curiosity. When they, when they see the world, they're like, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Like, right. why is this like that? They just want to know things on a deep level. Like they're the type of people you send them something on Instagram. They're not going to reshare it. They're going to do research on it. Hours yeah. and hours of research. I'm they want to- of a particular friend of mine who's so like that. And it's such a gift to have people like that. Exactly. So the researcher is going to go to the places that no one else will, which are the details. And we need that. We need a world that someone's doing the research. And there's two types of researchers. There's past and future. Past researchers really want to go into the history. Why are things the way that they are based on the past? Future ones want to go into technological advances. How can we you know, create a better future? So both of them are still going to do so with facts, with data, with research. So it's also a more masculine role, but it's less action-oriented. It's more inner. The shadow side of the researcher is oftentimes they never feel like they're ready to take action. They Mm -hmm. want more information. They want to do more research. They feel like they're not ready. So oftentimes they do all this research and then they don't do anything with it. So it's important for them to their archetypes. Yeah. So they could look at Deepak Chopra as an example, someone who researches, he's written like 90 books or something. Mm -hmm. Yes. he He is a visionary researcher. So for him, he has this global view, you know, speaks about these like like meditation and consciousness and these really universal things that a typical researcher would not, but he brings in this researcher background. He was a medical doctor. He wants to prove to you with science why meditation is good for you and why we don't exist and why these things are the way that they are. So his framework is going to be in the details and the research, like just knowing him personally, I know he gets so excited when he finds a new study to explain spirituality. Oh, cool. Whereas for people like us, like we don't care about that, you know? Yeah, we're like, no. We're already sipping the kombucha. We believe you. you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, the definitely researcher wants to bring that. other people in. They're like, I want to convince the people who don't believe in this. Yeah, it's so and important. I will do so with my research. So people who go into the medical field, um, any sort of science, you're going to have to have a researcher archetype in you to do that or history. Yeah, yeah that makes so much sense. Yes. So the next is the entertainer. So the entertainer is here to make people feel. They just want to make people laugh, cry, smile, think. They see the world as a stage. They're the type of people to take a boring situation and make it novel. Like, you know, when you're stuck in a car after a concert and you're in that car for like four hours and you like have nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. So if you have an entertainer in the car, they will take that opportunity to tell jokes, to tell stories, to do karaoke. Like they're like a perfect moment for me to entertain. And that's what makes them feel alive. Or at a party, they'll have a group of people around them and they're telling like a riveting story. And that's what the entertainer loves to do. The entertainer morphs into different people, different characters, like Jim Carrey, for example. Like he can love him. His face just morphs into these different things. And that's how he understands the world. And that's how he actually is able to, through the entertainment, make you realize things. Like Sasha Baron Cohen is an entertainer. So instead of telling you like, 
you know, there's corruption in the US, he'll do it through this hilarious comedy like Borat, Ali G, et cetera, that's entertaining you into thinking. So that's their wow. medium and their form of expression. Now, the shadow side of the entertainer is sometimes they're always playing a role that they don't know who they are inside. So they might feel like I have to always make people laugh. Otherwise, people won't love me. And oftentimes they fall into addictive behaviors. Drug, alcohol, sex addiction is really high among the entertainers. And it's really coming from filling this inner void within themselves of feeling like I need to entertain to be worthy. So it's important for entertainers to realize that in themselves, see that you don't have to entertain people to receive love and your entertainment is your gift that you're here to share. Do you feel like that one? Oh, I so get that one. I feel that in me as more of like a writer and a sharer. Jonathan is such an entertainer. He's full comedian, has to make people laugh. He's so good at it. Um, and yeah, I see how it can get hard as well. Because if you're always you know, making people laugh and being the comedian, then you feel that added pressure all the time when you can also be yourself and yourself you know, I, I'm sure it's hard to distinguish being between being the entertainer and who who is your soul on the inside. Totally. Yeah. So for me, the entertainer is not one of my main ones, but it's one that I have fun stepping into, like yeah, TikTok fun. videos, yeah. or, you know, doing improv or something. And I actually realize when I bring more of the entertainer into what I do, it resonates with people. So I'm able to get my role across more as the visionary by bringing in some of the entertainer and making it funny and making it relatable. But my purpose, my dharma is not to entertain, but right. for it is. I so get that. And your TikToks are so fun, by the way. You're dancing TikToks and all the spiritual lessons in there, but you make it fun and funny and relatable. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. It's fun to exercise sometimes. Archetypes that are a little less prevalent in you and to bring them out because sometimes we're so doing our same archetype right. day in and day out that it's no longer novel. So the next one is the activist. So the activist is here to bring about social, cultural, environmental, political change. They are deeply driven by a cause. They will always have a cause to stand for, and that's what makes them feel alive. So they are the type of people to speak out, to speak about the injustices of the world, to be a voice for the voiceless. Now, this year was definitely a year of the activists. So many of us noticed what is our relationship with our own inner activist? Do I feel comfortable here? Is this one of my main activists or is it not? Some people are like pure activists and they really got to stand out and share this year. And some people were like, wow, this is like my last archetype. And I feel totally awkward in trying to be a voice doing so. And it's important to note that because we're not all, all of the archetypes. And we live in this society that pressures all of us to speak up in the same way. And it's like saying... Everyone should start a business. Now everyone should entertain. Now everyone should give a talk. Now everyone should stand right. up for these intense causes. It's like not everyone is equipped to doing so. It's important for us to have access to these archetypes, but some people 
like an activist. It's very much part of some people's dharma. So I definitely have this activist within me. But like I spoke about when I was a child, it was coming more from a sense of responsibility place. But when I actually stepped further into it in terms of a career, I realized that that is not for me. But I like to give a percentage of my income to the causes that, um, you know, for me are the most important, which are, you know, child sex trafficking, et cetera. But I don't want to be working in that as my job. I would rather shift in my own ways, which are through my words as a visionary. So the activist is has this really sense of justice, responsibility. Things are wrong on this world and we need to make them right. They're very grounded in the physical reality. Mm-hmm. They don't want to bypass over things. And in fact, it can really get to them. Why are you bypassing over what's happening? They have this really Pitta and Kapha energy. It's like, what's happening right here? Now, the shadow side of that is you can become very angry when the rest of the world doesn't care to the same level that you do. You can feel like I'm fighting this cause for everyone and no one else cares. And I'm doing this for all of us. And you guys are not even thanking me for this or not even... um, seeing the amount of value that I'm giving to society so they can become really jaded over Mm -hmm. time of, I gave and gave and gave and nothing changed. So it's important for the activists to be giving from a place of wholeness, from a place of deep desire to create change, rather from this feeling of guilt or shame, which is where it often comes from. Yeah, I so see that. Mm, Yes. So the next one is the artist. So the artist is here to bring about beauty. Everything they do is going to have an element of beauty to it. So they're the type of people, their Instagram feed, their closet, their style, their desk, their house, everything is going to have an element of beauty. Like you can feel it's them. Like they they care about the style. They care about the aesthetics. They care about the experience. And that's what they're here to do to make the world a more beautiful place. Like the entrepreneur will be like, what's the best ROI? What's the most logical? The artist will be like, how can I make this the best experience possible? So for me, this is actually my third archetype and I feel like you have it too. Are we oh, that must be my third. That yeah. absolutely must be. If not my second, I'm... Maybe I'm it's your second. Stepping more into it too, because that's who I was born as for sure. Full artist, living in the clouds, creativity, bringing my visionary ideas to life. But yeah, I did really step into an entrepreneurial role like you did Mm -hmm. seven or eight years ago. And I see how the paths are always changing. Mm -hmm. Artist is in my soul. Yes. I feel the same way. Artist my whole life. And then you're taught that, oh, you can't make a living doing that. And then the artist kind of, you know, goes dormant, but then it's always there. So the artist really cares about the 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 experience of something. Now, the artist receives energy from the most number of channels of all of the different archetypes. They are always receiving energy from everything around them. That's what makes them creative. They're able to see like a table of like, how are all the ways this table could be stylized or this food be created into a recipe or whatever it is that their medium is. And that's why they can be very sensitive to energy, loud noises, a lot of people. They need a lot of time to themselves. Otherwise, they lose sense of that creativity. Right. Story. Which I know. Story my life. That's why I went to Santa Barbara this weekend because I needed to get out of the city, the distractions and get into my art. And it was so beautiful. And I felt more like myself than I have in so long. Love it's that. so special. 
Yeah. So for the artist, it's really important for them to allow that space. They like to work like the lone lone wolf. They mm-hmm. need to do things on their own. Whereas um, some of the other archetypes, like the entrepreneur, the warrior like to do things as a team together. So the artist needs that time to recharge, et cetera. Also, a lot of artists are very DIY. They like to make things themselves. Mm-hmm. So I have a friend who is a painter and he's like a world-class painter, but he will literally like any home repair in his house, he will do. He made a, a motorcycle by scratch. Like he That's literally so made cool. a motor- Like he just like is making things all the time. But to him, the world is like all these raw materials and I can make things with them. Or, mm-hmm. you know, for other people, you know, for yourself, you it's poetry. Maybe everything you see in this world is like, what's the poem from this? It so is. That is the artist's lens. It's, it's always, how can brain. I create, yeah, how can I create art out of this otherwise bland human experience? And then the shadow side is they can get very overwhelmed by the world around them. And they can also, we've seen this with like Frida Kahlo and many, many famous artists of that overwhelming can make them not be able to regulate their emotions as much. They can become very overwhelmed, like sad, I'm happy, I'm this, I'm that. Like it can be very extreme. It can even be manic depressive. So it's important for them to have more grounding and connect to their bodies because the artists can be very head in the clouds that if they don't have that connection to their bodies, their anchor, the earth, they can lose themselves in the ups and downs. For sure. That is me right there. For sure. My second. So maybe you're type. maybe even your first. It could you could be even an artist visionary. Yeah, definitely. The combination mm-hmm. for sure. Love that. Yeah. Like for me, artist is definitely one that I I never le- I didn't let her come out when I was older because I thought I needed to do, you know, the right practical thing to help the most people. Same. But as I create, it's really about the... Like I love to dance. That is definitely my main art form. But when I was creating a yogic path deck, I was like, I don't even care if I don't make money doing this. I rather have it be the most beautiful and have the gold foil and all of these different so things. Beautiful. Like, you don't want to make money doing it. I'm like, no, I don't really care. I just want it to be beautiful. Like, And exactly. that's the difference of an artist than an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur would never make that decision. Right. Well, that's why it's good to partner with people who have different strengths than you. Because I'm just like you. I'm like, I just want to go in a hole and write a novel for the next couple of years and then figure it out. Just figure it out. And I don't care also if it makes money. I hope it does. And I'll find a good entrepreneur to help me. But I just want to do it because my soul wants to do it. Yes. I feel like the artist is actually a really big one in you. Like writing a novel is like... That's pure... It's pure art. It's pure enjoyment. Like there's not necessarily like a point to it. Like, I don't think I would want to do that. Like I would be like, uh, I would be too visionary to be like, but it needs to transcend the human, you know, but the artist would be like, it's going to do that through the art. Exactly. But because I have those two sides to myself, that's the conversation in my brain all the time. Like, oh God, should I just make this a blog post so I can put it up today and like people can see it, you know, that type of thing. But I've been really tapping back into the inner artist, thanks to plant medicine as well. Because when it's part of your dharma, part of your soul's path, it's really undeniable. And the more that you deny it, the further out of alignment that you'll get, the sicker that you might get, more tired, just unhappy. So to me, it was obvious. I was like, okay, keep doing the visionary stuff, the career, the brand, the people. It's so fun. But there's a whole other side of me too. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And, and to know that that's there and it will it will take the lead when it needs to, when it's ready For sure. to. For sure. So the last one is the warrior. 
So the warrior is here to protect. They want to protect the weak, the disenfranchised, the voiceless. They really feel alive when they have this like group effort or goal. They're very in their physical bodies. So oftentimes people in fitness, athletes, sports have that warrior archetype of they want to sweat. They want to use their physical bodies. They want to feel like they're like combating for something. So like, like orange theory fitness that I know Jonathan exactly. works at is like super warrior energy too. And it's like, come that. on, like we're a team. We're going to do this together. Like no man, like that was stressed the shit out of me. I've never gone in my life for that simple mm-hmm. reason. I'm for sure. Where's my last one? Um, but the warrior that's like inspiring for them. is like, yeah. we did this together and we used our bodies and we got to the goal. Yeah. Like a lot of times um, lawyers police officers, um, again, fitness professionals. You can also be in different roles and have the warrior archetype. So an example I often give is AOC, Alexandria Octavio-Cortez. She's like the world's um, or US's youngest congresswoman, but she's a warrior. Like people love her because she won't take shit and she'll stand up and she'll be a voice for the voiceless. And she has that like Wonder Woman energy to her that she's not willing to stand in front of like a massive older politician or corporate head and speak her truth. And Mm -hmm. that's that warrior-like energy. It comes alive in combat and friction. They actually like that because it's giving them more strength. Mm -hmm. So... That warrior energy, again, it's in all of us. For me, it was it's my least one out of all of these. I think it's mine as well. But it was one I had to make friends with because when you are, you know, when you have a business or you're living your Dharma in any way, you're gonna have awkward conversations and you're gonna have to stand up for yourself sometimes and you're gonna have to say the thing that you don't wanna say and and handle it. So for me, it was definitely where my most amount of work was to be able to step into that energy. But now I know if I am in a situation that I need to speak up for myself or put on my messy bun and respond like the lady boss that I am, I can do it. But do I want to be doing it all the time? No, something's wrong if I am because that's not my dharma. Mm -hmm. But to know that it's not like this gaping hole in my pocket that if I have to channel my inner warrior, I'll break down and not know what to do. Whereas when I was younger, I literally would start crying because I wouldn't know what to do in those traditional situations. Yeah, same. I mean, if somebody, you know, said something mean to me or whatever, conflict was not my friend. But yeah, as you grow and as you really embrace what you're here to do, that stuff just ends up seeming like it's all part of the process mm-hmm. for every human. Exactly. So it's okay. It's okay if somebody doesn't like you. It's okay if you have to have a confrontation. It doesn't mean doesn't really mean anything about you. It's really just we are all mirrors to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as you're describing these, I'm seeing Jonathan is so the entertainer, warrior, entrepreneur, which mm-hmm. is so funny because I'm pretty sure those are like my, my probably my least three, mm-hmm. which makes sense. What a good match in that sense. Totally, because you can he can bring to the party what you can't and you can support each other and those ones you mentioned are the more masculine ones. So entrepreneur, researcher, warrior have more of that masculine energy to them. It's fighting for a cause. It's logical. It's practical. It's rational. Whereas nurturer is like very motherly, visionary. It's very channely, free flow, 
these are all very feminine. Um, entertainer is actually one that I would classify as a bit more feminine because mm-hmm. to be an entertainer, you got to feel what the other person's experiencing. You got to have yeah. that feeling of sensibility. It's not less like practical of like, I'm going to entertain you. Like that won't work. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that feminine flow to you. Now, teacher, I think of as neutral because teacher has the feminine flow in terms of like you are channeling, like the best teachers are channels. Like they are expressing in a way that's unique through their vessel, but you got to also get that point across, which is that masculine side. So I see it in certain teachers, you know, if you're a teacher of divine feminine wisdom, you're definitely going to have more of the feminine, but a teacher needs to have both sides to them. So it's important to notice too, what what archetypes are you? Is it more in the feminine, more in the masculine? And then what are some of the archetypes and the other polarity that you can draw more upon to not feel like I don't have the foundation for me to rise or I don't have the creativity that I'm feeling stuck and stuck and stuck. Mm -hmm. Just to add more nuances and flow. And that's really when your dharma comes alive, when you are able to step into these different sides of yourself and then create the whole picture. So cool. It's so cool to hear you talk about all this, that you've pretty much created an archetype system and so not pretty much, you absolutely have created an <laughs> archetype system that is so on par with human design, astrology, zodiac, all of that. I think that is so cool. And you know me, I'm obsessed with this kind of stuff. This is something I'm going to be thinking about for a long time after we talk about it. I cannot wait for your book. Holy moly. So excited. Um, but also since you've been talking, remind me, what is your sun sign? What's your astrology, your zodiac sign? So in Western astrology, it's a Capricorn. I'm a Capricorn sun and moon and have like seven planets of Capricorn in Western astrology and um, Sagittarius rising. I follow more Vedic astrology. Like that's the sister science of Ayurveda. And um, to me, to represents me more on a soul level, which is the Sagittarius. So in Vedic, I have Sagittarius, sun and moon and Scorpio rising. And it's interesting because I I find validity in both, but I feel like Vedic often, for me, it tells me who I am more on a soul level. And my Western sign tells me who I am in this Western world. So in this (laughs) Western world, I'm can be a Capricorn. I can get shit done. I can create, you know, books and systems, but it's not like why I'm here. I feel much more alive by spontaneous, like Sagittarius truth seeking Jupiter type of energy. Right. Oh, how cool. I know I need to look into my Vedic astrology. It's kind of crazy that I haven't just given how into it I am and how into all that stuff that I am. I relate so much with with all my Western astrology beyond, but I have got to check that out. That makes so much sense. And to me, you are both. You are so Capricorn. You're so grounded, so um, stable and like, what's the word? Because so the Capricorn energy in my life, I have quite a bit of Capricorn in my chart too. And it's that structure, which I don't have really much of, but like my Saturn Capricorn has helped me so much to find that structure again. So I see that you absolutely have that. It's a good thing to have. It's a gift. Well, it's interesting. Like I don't like go through my life like, okay, here's my schedule and I'm going to create like a plan for myself. Like that is so not me. It's something I had to massively teach myself. 
but it's something that I really appreciate. Like yeah. when I do have it, I'm like, oh, this is so nice. But it's not like the first thing that would come to my mind. I would much rather wing it and see what happens. Me too, 100%. Well, probably because we are more visionary artists teachers. Well, what, so what was your second? So you're a visionary and then your second is... Visionary, teacher, artist, entrepreneur, activist, and then entertainer. And my last couple are the researcher, nurturer, and warrior. So get that. Yeah. And for people listening, like, okay, well, I know these archetypes, like, what do I do with it? Like, how can I actually, you know, use it towards an action plan? For me, that really mattered. Maybe it's the Capricorn in me. I'm like, okay, now what do I do? How do I do it? So I have this whole system called your Dharma blueprint that I guide you through in the book, but really it's a five-step system of taking your Dharma archetypes. So the top couple that you are that really resonate with you, what it is that you are excited about, Your excitements are breadcrumbs leading you to your dharma. So oftentimes we don't realize how many things we're excited about. So write down all the things you're excited about. Maybe you're excited about plant medicine or Reiki or shamanism, or maybe you're excited about like healing technologies and AI and VR or whatever else it is that you're excited about. Write all of those things down because within them lies your dharma. Then what are some obstacles that you've overcome or helped someone else overcome? So for you, it was illness. For for myself as well, imbalance, not knowing my dharma. For someone else, it could have been a really tough divorce or cancer in their family. Or it, it doesn't even have to be something that feels so colossal. It could just be... I, you know, always felt really awkward and I didn't know how to fit in and I like learned how to read social cues or I never knew how to dress to feel confident and I learned how to do that or, you know, whatever. We've all overcome some obstacles in our lives. So no matter how big or small it feels, like I know a lot of people feel like I don't have a life-defining moment, so I must not have a purpose, but it could just be that you're really good at helping your friends with relationship problems or you were able to lose you know, 20 pounds in a holistic way or whatever else it is that you've overcome. So your obstacles are another category. Then the next one is what mediums are you the best at? So mediums are forms of expression. Is it writing, speaking? Is it creating formulas, structures, music, painting, plants, um, books? There's so many different mediums that channel through us. So writing down those mediums. And then the last one is your superpower. So what is that thing that you can do that you bring to the table that really no one else can? And oftentimes... What is yours? What's your superpower? So my superpower is that I'm able to take really complicated like ancient wisdom or spiritual topics and make it really grounded and relatable. Yes. Like I have a really good way of like taking something close and like, here's what it is. Like in this book, I'm like, there are five things you do. Just do these things. And something like your life's purpose, which is a really big thing. So your superpower, yeah, it's often like what people compliment you on if you're mm-hmm. if you're confused if people are like you have such a beautiful home or you're such a gracious host or you're so organized or you're so good with food or whatever else it is it's probably a superpower there so notice what are those superpowers those things that come easy for you that don't come easy for other people and so then cool. combining these five categories together and I guide you through it in the book but that will give you your dharma blueprint of exactly what to take action wow. on wow okay guys we have got to talk about my favorite healthy soda alternative 
that I'm so obsessed with. I'm literally drinking one right now. It tastes like regular soda. I've never even liked regular soda, but it's so much healthier than that that I'm a fan. And it is Olipop. I'm so into Olipop. I've been loving it so much. You will never come to our house and not see our refrigerator stacked to the brim with every single flavor. So right now, I think my favorite flavor is probably... Which one is my favorite? I think the cherry vanilla and also the strawberry vanilla is my favorite. And I like it because it's sweet, but not too sweet. And it's just the perfect thing to have on hand when I don't feel like drinking water. And especially later in the day. Oh my God, it's just such a good treat. So basically, I think a lot of you guys know that regular soda is not TBB approved. It has regular soda has like at least 45 grams of sugar which is horrifying. And Olipop has less than five grams of sugar. All their products are non-GMO, vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly with less than eight grams net carbs per can. And Olipop is so confident that you'll love their products that they offer a 100% money-back guarantee for all the orders placed through their website. And it's just a fun thing to have on hand. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen I bring these to get-togethers. I I brought these to the holidays with my family because I don't drink alcohol, but I love to have Olipop, my favorite healthy alternative to soda around. It's amazing. And it also has probiotics in it. So it's good for your gut and is full of fiber, which is so cool. It has nine grams of prebiotics in every single can. And as we all know, when our gut health is off, that is linked to a weak immune system. So this literally helps you build your immunity up because of all the fiber and the good gut prebiotics. So we have worked out an exclusive deal for the Balance Bond podcast listeners to receive 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack. This is a great way to try all their different delicious flavors. Go to drinkolipop.com slash blonde or use the code blonde at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E. This discount is only valid for their variety pack. You can also find them in Erewhon, Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Wegmans, and more. So enjoy. Keep tagging me in your Instagrams when you drink them. And now back to this episode with Sahara. So basically, everybody needs this book, is what you're saying. Everybody needs this book because who doesn't need an exact blueprint to be living? Let's do your purpose in this life. (gasps) Let's do it. Oh my god, can we do it right now? Yeah, right now. Okay, okay, okay. So there's a whole chapter on this in the book. So we'll go through it specifically for yours. So your Dharma archetype. So artist, visionary, teacher, and some nurturer right? Mm -hmm. Would you say those are kind of the top ones? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So a medium that naturally flows through you. What are your mediums? As in like writing, that type of thing? Yeah. So writing, talking, communicating. um, Oh my God. What Yoga. Yoga is one of them for sure. Yoga is like my art form, like dancing is for you. And... Photos. I love photography. I love aesthetic of anything. So colors, shaping it all together. I actually drew this. Well, it's not really a drawing, but it's like literally sitting here. It's it's an intentions list. And then I just like decorate like crazy. So in my soul, I'm just a little artist. You know, I'm like a little kid who just loves all the colors and 
shapes and that's how I see things in my mind too. Plant medicine, everything's colorful, shapes, rainbows, ocean. Okay, the ocean is not a medium, but like I'm just kind of pulling in all the We're things. We're bringing it in. <laughs> yeah, like ocean energy. Love I it. Love Would you consider yourself more of a writer or speaker? Because this has been an interesting thing showing up for me. I used to always consider myself a writer, like I am an author, but now I consider myself more of a speaker and I'm much more inspired to do podcasts and like continue to write for now. What What is it for you? I feel like more of a writer than a speaker. And I definitely see that difference in us. And it's so beautiful. And I think we both have both. Mm-hmm. I love podcasting, but I do not love the same way you do speaking on a stage. Mm-hmm. Like I have so much anxiety about it. I can do it, but I would prefer for it to be like a and A. I don't like... And maybe that's something for me to step into as I'm growing and learning... Um, but I'm more of a writer. That's I've always, I think through writing, I express myself through writing. I just love it. It's my thing. I love that. And it's good to know these things because it also tells you about your practice. Like journaling is a great practice for, for you sure. because you're a writer. So it just gets you into that channel. And then, you know, your poetry, novel, this all comes to writing. For me, I can write, but it feels like, oh, it's it takes so much longer. If I could just speak, it would just go through so much faster. Right. And also, I don't think everyone needs to like speak on stage necessarily. Like if, you, if you're not feeling inspired by it or it's o- very overwhelming for you, if you really want to do it, but it's a matter of like, how am I going to get past this fear? Then it's part of your dharma. But for me, I feel like my most self when I'm on stage, I don't plan anything. And when I get onto that stage and I don't want a Q&A, I just want to like channel that's when I feel alive. So it's good you have to that gift. Thanks. Sure. Then we often assume everyone is just like us, but that's not necessarily me writing a novel. I could never do that. I wouldn't even know where to start, you know? But for you, it's like, I wish I could spend all my time doing this. Yeah, exactly. 100%. I would way rather do that. And then, yeah, read it on stage than just like, you know, channel on stage. But channeling on a podcast, totally fine. I don't know. It's different. Mm. So interesting because when I was reading the audiobook to this for Discover Your Dharma, I hated the process. Oh yeah. So much well, that like, sounds meticulous. But I was like, I don't want to read something. Like I want to just be able to like speak off the top of my head. So it gave right. me really good feedback too of like, okay, here's where my gifts are, here's where my mediums are, and here's where they're not. That makes so much sense. But yeah, audiobook. By the way, do you hear music? Should I tell him to turn it down? Do you hear anything background? I don't hear it. No, it's all good. I don't hear it. Okay. So the next one is what excites you? So what excites you is just kind of what gets your vibe going. Like what are the things you want to Google search? So what is it for you right now? Oh my gosh. I love plant medicine. I love plant-based food, vegan food. I love the ocean. I love traveling. I love Bali. I love tropical places. Um, I love my cat <laughs> so much. And yeah, I love writing. I'm so obsessed with like literary figures in history like Joan Didion. I mean, she's still alive, but like I've gone through a huge Joan Didion obsession. And remember when I texted you and said I was on a Deepak Chopra rabbit hole and then it was his birthday? That happens to me constantly. And that happened this weekend. Joan Didion, major rabbit hole. It was her birthday. Obviously, I had no idea until after. It's just crazy. 
I love that. So you know that that's where your dharma is taking you. It's taking you more towards like writing and like literary figures. It's taking you towards plant medicine. It's taking you towards stepping more into your role as, you know, as the novelist, as the teacher, as the plant medicine facilitator, you know, where, however it shows up, completely you know that that's, that's where the sales are heading. Now, the next one is obstacles you are solving. So what are some obstacles that you have solved or helped others solve that you feel like are related to your dharma? Healing. Healing holistically, specifically. And also just, yeah, the power of our mind, the power of thought. We can change our bodies truly by how we think. And that can be controversial. People are healing, people are sick. It's very physical, I get it. But it's also very emotional, it's very energetic and it's very tied through lifetimes. So I think that that's my main obstacle that I help people with. And then also food, finding freedom with food and lowering inflammation in your body through the beauty of plant-based food. And what a gift to be able to teach people that because I've definitely been on a journey with, with that, my body and food freedom. So it's always like the spiritual and then the food. Mm. I love that so much because it's sh- it's shown up for you as, as long as I've known you, which is like more than five years, I want to say, maybe even yeah. longer. Longer. Um, totally. Because as long as I've known you, it's always been you and food. It's like this love affair with you guys. And it's like Mm -hmm. takes different ships and forms into like finding further and further healing and alignment with it. So that's like a huge huge part of your Dharma. And then stepping into this healing journey that you've been in for the past couple of years is I believe completely Without it, you wouldn't be you. You wouldn't be able to impact people at the way that you are and the way that Absolutely. you will had you not had that experience. And oftentimes, it's really those most painful experiences that end up being the thing that you talk about the most. For because sure. That's what helps people see, oh, wow, she's been through something too. So 100%. And, and sometimes... Sometimes the greatest obstacle for people is to not know what obstacles they've overcome. So what a gift it is to know full-heartedly, this is the obstacle that I've overcome and been able to share with others. So true. Hmm. So the next one and the last one is your superpower. So this is your how, the secret sauce to everything it is that you do, that unique Jordan flavor. So what do you think or what have people told you or yours? So what I've been told and what I feel is being a bridge between worlds. So completely like the alien realms, the spiritual realms, the angelic realms, the places that I tap into every day by channeling before I even knew that I was doing that, that was happening. And then to connect with them and to connect with the ancestors and to just kind of see the bigger picture, but also bring it into this world and make it relatable not even on purpose, but just because I'm, a, I'm somebody who's figured it out while I have also shared it the whole time. So a bridge between worlds where I can share it and hopefully it's approachable to people. It's accessible enough. I'm just you know a 30-year-old girl figuring it out, being a human, even though I'm this ancient soul. So a bridge between worlds, I think that's my superpower. I love that. And what came up right now that spirit guided me to when you said that was the drawings that you were drawing are memories of when you were an angel. Oh my God, full chills. Crazy chills up and down my whole body. 
That I want to cry. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I'm looking at this drawing that I have next to me here that I just showed you. It's like, it's so peaceful. It's like colorful. I could totally cry. And that's why I'm drawn to such specific colors and shapes. And oh, it's so special. You're actually here to bring that to this realm. Wow. That is so special. So yeah, thank God I'm tapping into my inner artist and not... It's showing me like a world, like almost like a world you create with your designs. Like maybe it's like home products or something, but like literally giving people the experience to be in this world. It's a world. I can't believe you just said that. It's literally a world. And that's what the novel is about. It's its own world. And it's magical. And I would love for it to extend into so many other things. Like a Disneyland space or something that people can just like fully be in this world. And I'm just seeing like this like orange, pink cotton candy balls. Like it looks like cotton candy balls. It's very like, it's light, but it's also colorful. Because there's like light and airy, but this isn't that. It's almost like Easter colors I'm seeing. Yeah, it's pastels, it's glitter. It's like this entire other world. That's where my head lives anyway. So it's like, okay, I might as well just channel it into something and share it. And my huge thing was, do I just write a memoir about everything I've experienced, which will come, but I've been shown and led so many times now through spirit and through the angels, write fiction, because that's how you take people into this world. That's how to be for me, a bridge between worlds. I, I can talk about it till I'm blue in the face, but fiction, it's like a Harry Potter, you know? It gives people a whole world to escape into. And that's what I love. Yeah. What's coming through right now is that you you needed to come back to learning how to be in your body. And this is why a lot of the health issues have shown up for you is actually to get because you can be so head in the clouds and in your own world and in these like super angelic and galactic realms. It was like how to be here in your body. And then your fascination with plants is because it's actually like, that's what's keeping you alive in this lifetime. It's the plants. It's like you're you're gaining this um, medicine essentially from earth. And if you didn't have it, you would just go back up to those realms. Mm-hmm. So you love the plants so much because it's like, keeping you here as a human and you're like loving this experience so much too, but it's hard because things are so much more dense than they were back then. So like, this is really hard, but I want to bring that world here. I want to bring my unique version of heaven to earth. Yes. Yes. You You just explained exactly what the conversation that takes place in my head. And it's so true. And I was so out of my body for so long until this year. And that's why this year has been such a gift to me. And when you, you know, when you see this opportunity to slow down and how beautiful it's been for all of us, even though it's been hard and it's been crazy. I'm finally in my body. And I'm remembering the last time we did the podcast together here at my place. And I remember you were like just you were living your dharma. You were really, really in it. And I remember saying to you, I can't wait to be doing that because I was so depleted. And you said, you will be like, you know, you will be, it's coming. And it's so exciting because it's now it's here and I'm still depleted. So that tells me something. I still have further to go, but I've, I'm such a different person than back then. And it feels so good. 
Yeah. Another thing that just came up is that you needed to clear your schedule to give you time to do this deep medicine work that you wouldn't have been able to do if it wasn't for this. Absolutely. 100%. And then to even integrate these medicine experiences and not have so much... Yeah. You couldn't have had all these earthly responsibilities and been able to go as deep into the medicine as what is being called for you to do. So true. So So true. You yeah. get it. You one one of my superpowers is, is is channeling, but for me, I'm a good channel sure. when I'm in communication with people. Yeah, it I comes for me in talking to people. It's when I'm on my own. It's more, it's more vague. When I'm in communication, I'm like, oh, blah, 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 like the guys are talking to me so much. So I can tell. So it's now, com- yeah. So now combining these categories: your archetype, your medium, your excitement, your obstacles, your superpower. We would write out how that comes together. So. I mean, there's so many ways that you're doing so, but for example, writing your novel and bringing your your world out into this world, creating a center that you can help people. And maybe you decorate it in the way that, yeah. that these realms looked like or creating products Oops. that people can have at their homes that offers them healing, but it's also really beautiful and has that like angelic, and this is interesting too, because angelic and galactic are very different frequencies and you're connected yes. to both. Right. So it's like, it's, it's, but, and they're both I air, both. you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's like bringing these things to the world. Another thing that I feel like could be super great for you is I really like the novel idea because I think a huge part of your life is to be this empty, clear channel. That memoir creates an over-identification of your ego that actually harms you. Right. It it makes you go into like, like almost like a victimhood feeling is what I'm feeling of like, why did this happen to me? And then it can just get, it can just like keep spiraling inwards. And I really think that you're receiving all this nurturing, but it's so you can like realize that this, that yourself is like to be this open vessel and, um, you being in the novel space would allow you to embody that more. I feel that so deeply. You're just so spot on there. And also because I, you know, the memoir that I wrote five, six years ago, six years ago. Okay. So I've known you for like seven, eight years that I want yeah, to say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that book, it, it really doesn't speak at all. I mean, it's the antithesis actually of who I actually am. And so you're speaking such truth. It's hard. And I also, I was very young. So that was part of it. I, I literally- I think it was a huge life. part of your your karma that you needed in this lifetime to... What I'm sensing is that you really wanted to help I did. And your way that you thought to help was that because that was what the voices around you were telling you. Like, well, exactly. That this veganism is a disorder. This is disordered eating. This is orthorexia. So you were like, oh shit. Like, also, one of the things, especially with airy people like yourself, Vata people, is sometimes people can like put in their mind something that's not theirs. You know, when there's so much yes, openness, someone else could be like, like a, especially an authority figure, like a therapist or someone could be like, no, you, you were delusional. Like you were, this is a cult mentality. Like this is what it really is. So you're like, oh shit, have I been blinded? 
because I don't know what I don't know. And then you're like, how do I help people to not experience the pain that I've experienced? So you thought it was to write this book, but you were actually kind of used as a ploy to write I was. I was. You were such a channel. Oh my God. (laughs) I love talking to you. Yes. Okay. So all that, I'm Ari, I'm Vata, and I'm a reflector. So if all these people, and I say like tons of people, authority figures were telling me this, therapists that I sought out, but of course, you know, therapists, nutritionists, people who've been in the same situation. Well, because the air moves fast and it moves far and it spreads. Think of gas spreading in the air. So right. they they got it to you, it would spread. Right. And it was such a... I was literally spreading of someone else's message. Yeah. But I'm still proud of doing that because I know that book meets people where they are. And when they need it, they find it. And that makes me happy. But... It's like somebody else wrote it, not me, because that's not who I am now. And also, we just evolved so much as people. And people it just came like, up for me, your past life, you were a cat. So you're going to have many lifetimes in this one too. Oh, for sure. Oh my <laughs> God, that's so right. And I'm as I'm looking at my cat, and I also know... And I'm always told too by intuitives, wow, you're going to have so many lifetimes in this one lifetime. Yes. I'm like, of course I am. I'm looking forward to the medicine woman lifetime because I know... And that's why I say a memoir is not the right thing for you because this over-identification with your ego is super harmful for you. Like some people, it really helps them. Um, Like for me, sharing my story actually really helps get my message across more. Whereas for you, going super into your story might withhold you to this former version of yourself and like prevent you from growing. True. I mean, literally I'm changing every day, every day. So it would be quite hard to capture that in a book that would come out in like two years, as you know. So... And that's the thing with any book too. Like I want to, I want to say this to the listeners now, like any book that you write or even a blog post or even an article, like it's a moment in time and you will change, you will shift, you will grow. Like the process of bringing any Dharma to life is going to cause you to shift and grow in so many different ways that, you know, I, I think of it like the doshas, you have your idea, Vata, you execute it, Pitta, you reevaluate it, Kapha. But in that journey, you change so much. So oftentimes what happens is people bring something to reality, like a business project book. And then they're like, well, it's working. People like it. That's who I am. There's demand for it. So now I have to stick to doing this thing that's no longer in alignment with who you are. Mm-hmm. So giving your dharma is not about bringing something to life one time and marrying yourself to it. It's about continuing on that journey of bringing your idea to action, taking a sacred pause away from that action, and then letting the next idea come through. And if you keep allowing yourself to surrender to that journey, that process, the idea, evaluation, reevaluation, from there, you will expand so much further than your conscious mind would be aware of. You're so right. That's so amazing. And so when you wrote this book, was your process, do you write every day? Do you just do it when it feels good? I'm so curious about your process. For me, I am like, there There are three ways to get to your Dharma that I write about. One is the leap and that is my type. So when I'm writing a book and you can tell by how you would write a book. So if you're, if let's say listener, you were to write a book, would you go all in, like disappear for a month and just write the book? Would you wake up an hour early every day or write one page a day or write it every weekend? Or would you just kind of wait for the inspiration to hit you? 
So what would it be for you? The first one, 100%. Yeah, I am the same way too. So these are the people like us that we need to take a leap. So for me, writing a book is like when I'm in, I am in. I am like, sorry, friends, I'm not going to be talking to you guys for a while. Like I need to be so in it. And my best writing really does happen when I am like fully immersed into the words. Like it's just like me and the words and like, that's it. And you know, I wrote the book and it was, this book was much harder for me to write than my other books because they had so much more things going on. I was launching Rose Gold Goddesses at the same time and like really had to be in my entrepreneur pitta, like masculine. And it was hard for me, like, let's say I had two hours, like to just write. It was so hard to just fit in creative writing in just two hour period of time. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is why some people aren't living their dharmas because they don't have that much time to do to do the thing. So I dropped the story that I needed to like have a full day and my whole ritual and all of the things to get creative. I dropped that story. I was like, you know what? Even when I have two hours, I can still get stuff done. So I did. And I got the book done in these pockets of time. But then right before it came out, it was like Christmas break. And you know, I had some time and I rewrote the whole entire book in that week. Oh my God. That sounds like me. Literally and, sounds like me. And I was like, ah, oh, this is like, now I can really trust this is how I work. And for me, it comes in a stream of consciousness. So like like a paragraph is like a complete paragraph and it needs to flow. Like a chapter needs to all just come at once. Otherwise it won't sound right. I know. Okay. I'm just like you. Like I spent the whole... I can't just like add it later. Like no way. (laughs) No. I spent the whole weekend listening to this um, podcast about writers. Some of the best selling authors. Deepak was on there. So many people listening to so many processes. And a lot of people are like, if you just write one page every day, by the end of the year, you'll have a book. I could never. Like, that sounds like my personal... I'm in such self. a different mood every day. Every day. And that's also- what I noticed too. When you're writing a book, like sometimes I'd be funny. Sometimes I'd be really serious. And I'm like, the book needs to have one consistent tone. But every time I write, I'm in a different tone. Yes. And with fiction too, like if you leave that world after one page and then you try to get back into it, on a different page, that's confusing to me. So I keep feeling the need. And also my guides are telling me all the intuitives in my life are telling me. And then you just affirm this too. Go away for like a month or however long you need. There's no time frame, And just live in that world and see what happens. And like Jonathan supports that. He's the one telling me to do that mostly. So... And that's what I want to do. So I'm excited. That's definitely coming. By the time this episode comes out, Hopefully I'll be doing something like that. I love that. You know, like that's what Elizabeth Gilbert does when she's yeah. writing her books. She just kind of goes away and lives in that world. And I think she writes her books in one month. You know, I have some friends that write their whole books in one week. And right. it really just shows it's not about the amount of time. Time doesn't exist. When you're in a flow, you can get more done in that flow state in that channel than would take you countless hours. However, again, not everyone is like this. So if you're someone who's like, I never really feel that way, maybe for you, it is the practice of writing that one page a day and just getting used to writing. And then when you are, yeah, but then when you are feeling that flow, don't say, oh, I wrote my one page, I'm done. Follow it. You know, sometimes I think of it as like a faucet. And when that faucet is turned on, my job is to just get to the piece of paper and write it until it runs dry. Wow. I work for the faucet. It decides. (laughs) Yes. That is such a good metaphor. I totally relate. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this book to come out. So yeah. remind me the day that it comes out. So it comes out January 5th. So if you're listening to this before, I have pre-order bonuses on my website. And if you're listening to this after, my same website will have different bonuses that you can get. And that is iamsaharrose.com slash dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A. And then I also have my Dharma archetype quiz you could take to find your Dharma archetype at dharmaarchetypequiz.com. And my Instagram is I am Sahara Rose. I also have a podcast called Highest Self Podcast, which I'm so excited to interview you for. I know. I'm so excited. I know. How have we not yet? Well, last time you were you were in it. You were just like I know. In, Actually, I don't know why I asked the hero's that journey. For years I have done. I have li- lived in my bed, so that's why. Yes. But oh my gosh, this is so fun. I love talking to you. You're so wise. You're such a channel. You're such a visionary. You're such a teacher. You're really, really, really living your dharma. Oh my gosh, like it's very special to witness, and I'm just so happy for you. And I'm happy for everybody listening to get to read your book and do all the things. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I want to thank you because you were really the person who inspired me to start a podcast. You had started a podcast like a couple months before. And I was like, you know what? Like if Jordan's doing it, I can do it too. Like there needs to be more spiritual podcasts out there. And this was like three and a half years ago now. So I want to thank you for being a positive influence in my life and reminding me of my own highest self. So thank Thank you for that. That means so much. Yes. I'm so happy that you have your podcast. I feel like you've always had it, but of course, yeah, three and a half years ago, this podcast um, had its four year anniversary in November or the end of October. So yeah, the time is flying. And also I can't imagine like my whole business without it. It's such a fun, such a fun element. Exactly. So anyone else that wants to, you know, get their voice out there, we are here to remind you of your beautiful sacred essence and that you have a Dharma and to not get in your own way. Because if we had gone in our own way, this conversation wouldn't be here and so many lives wouldn't be impacted. And each person listening has that same ripple effect. So So, I still agree. I still agree. By the way, has anybody ever told you that you look like Kim Kardashian sometimes? Me? No. Yeah. I think (laughs) it's because of like being on Zoom with you and like you're glowing and you're tan and like it's that Miami life. You look like <laughs> her to me right now. And that's, that's a big compliment because I love wow, her. Wow, thanks. Um, you also look like I, an alien. Like you, your alien self is coming through. Ooh, well, thanks for sharing. Um, I have not heard that one before, but I'll take it. And <laughs> yeah, it's so fascinating too. Like, I mean, we'll just get into a whole other tangent. So I'll stop myself at people's faces morphing into different characters. Oh, I'm seeing you. people's yeah. faces. That's probably why I see it. And I'm, I'm probably seeing like the vision. You're like, that's your Arcturian self. Yeah, exactly. Love. Oh, well, thank you so much. Beautiful. This thank is so you, fun. Queen. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Sahara. She's amazing. One of my favorite people to talk to and catch up with on the podcast and just be in her energy. She's so in her light. She's so living her purpose and her dharma. She's such a talented channeler and she's just an all around high vibrational person who I appreciate in my life so much. I can't wait to see her soon as I will be in Miami soon. 
soon and I just can't wait to reconnect with her. So definitely check out her quiz, the Dharma Archetype Quiz. We'll leave it in the show notes. Get her new book, show her our TBB support and just follow her. She's amazing. Thank you also to our sponsors for today's episode. We have Sakara Life and you can use that code BLONDE20 for a discount on all things Sakara. We have Go Macro, my favorite plant-based bars, and you can use the code BLONDE for a great discount there. And also Olipop, the best healthy soda alternative that literally exists. And you can use the code BLONDE at drinkolipop.com slash blonde to get 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack. Thank you guys so much for being here. I love you guys. It is so good to reconnect after the holidays and I just can't wait for the year ahead. It's gonna be good. I feel it. I can't wait to keep connecting in all the places and I hope everyone has such a soul on fire day. We'll talk soon. Oh, and lastly, final thing, Jonathan is coming back on the podcast to talk about his one year as a vegan and he's staying vegan. So he's been vegan for a full year now. And if you guys have specific questions for him, send them to me on email or Instagram DM. And I cannot wait to hear all your thoughts and the episode's going to be fun. So with that, I love you guys. Have a soul on fire day and we'll talk soon.